It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! The final drive on a Thursday. We're giving it to you this type of edition here on this Thursday afternoon. WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner joining you this afternoon. And, of course, you can always get in touch with us on the app or get us the old-fashioned way and call us at 251-694-1055. And, of course, one day away from getting ready for the weekend and Alabama's A-Day game. And, of course, we had the NBA action last night. A few surprises in regards to the Grizzlies over the Lakers and, of course, the Bucks over the Heat and the Timberwolves losing to the Nuggets. Breaking news, Kawhi Leonard out tonight for the Los Angeles Clippers in Game 3. And, you know, when you have the Phoenix Suns getting things done, Kawhi Leonard is is that guy in the postseason that can make a huge difference. But looking forward to seeing Philadelphia and Brooklyn, Sacramento, Golden State, without Draymond Green and, of course, Phoenix and the Clippers. And, you know, Michael, of course, we do have Alabama's A-Day game coming up. And, and of course, we know about that quarterback battle, that all eyes are going to be on the quarterbacks and who's going to be locked in or, or projected going to be a favorite. But there are other positions of interest within this 8A game that not only you and I are going to be looking at, but the rest of the country because the quarterback battle is obvious. And is there another position outside of that quarterback position that – you're looking forward to see it. Yeah, well, the obvious, like you said, the quarterback battle, every throw is going to be looked at, analyzed, overanalyzed, reanalyzed, looked at again, re-looked at again, and uh, and so on and so forth, whether it's Jalen Milrow, whether it's Ty Simpson. Uh, I'm also excited to get a look at these two freshman quarterbacks, Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein. I think Holstein's better than Lonergan, at least from a recruiting rating standpoint there, but... Yeah, outside of the quarterbacks, because, again, we, we know that that's going to be the story. I think there's a couple of things to look at there. I think the depth of the running back group on paper, I think it's as deep as Alabama has ever really had. Uh, so that might be a bit of an overstatement. But it is extremely deep. I'm looking for Jace McClellan. I'm looking for Roy Dell Williams. I think look for Jamarian Miller to have a huge breakout season this year in his limited action Last season, I mean, he I, I can't remember who said it, but I think it was it was true. He led the team in yards per carry, albeit in like 35 carries or something like that on the season. He had a long touchdown against Vanderbilt. But Jamarian Miller, rising sophomore, I think he's going to have a big year. Are these two freshman backs, Justice Haynes and Richard Young, too good to keep off the field? This is Justice Haynes' big debut. He's been pretty much all anyone's talking about. I mean, Stephen M. Smith. Keep saying he can't, he can't stop talking about this kid. 
Look at the receiver group. It's mostly the same as last season, so I think continuity there is going to breed success. But the outlier there, Malik Benson. Is Malik Benson going to be that guy, the JUCO transfer from Can from uh, Hutchinson County College in Kansas? Is he uh, as advertised? A lot of people think he's going to be a superstar, can elevate this receiver group to the next level. Look for Malik Benson to have a big A day. Tight end group with uh, Cameron Latou being replaced. You bring in C.J. Dupree. I, it's there. There's a lot of interesting things to keep your eye out this day. Well, I, I think that the battle that you talked about that a lot of people aren't talking about because again, you have Simpson and Milro. Everybody's focusing on that one-two head-to-head, but the threes and the fours are going to be just as important. Oh yeah, for Alabama, a lot of people haven't heard about these two freshmen. Eli Holston and Dylan Nonergan. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to play because you, you, you're in a situation where if you're Alabama, again, creating depth, sometimes, okay, you, you know one and two are probably going to go against each other all the way up until the fall starts. But these other two freshmen that want to sit there and hold the clipboard as or call in the signals as the third string – I think that's the battle that I want to see when they do get reps late in the game, how they're going to respond. Yeah, that like I said, that's, I think, even borderline more interesting than Ty Simpson versus Jalen Miller. It I'm, is. I, I'm Because, face it, you're not going to see these guys on the field this year. It, 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 I think back to last A-Day, I, I didn't really care about Ty Simpson. And then until that kid got out there and started running around, he's a lot quicker than I thought he was, kind of – showed the fact that he had a rocket arm last A-Day is honestly the reason why Ty they, there's a lot of hype built around Ty Simpson now and the reason why people are so excited to see him. What, are people excited about the maybe three passes he threw this past season, the regular season, and, and mop-up duty? You're excited about the, the uh, throw he threw against Austin P to the sideline? I mean, it was nice, but... I mean, A-Day is, is uh, where these guys start to build a name for yourself. And obviously, they're the flops. You're the Jai Halls of the world that have a great A-Day and then turn out to not work out and not to. Man, he was like the A-Day oh, game MVP. I know. He was, it, it was, it was, he was spectacular that day. Uh, what was I think it was Jackson Barker throwing, throwing to him that day, just chucking but, it up But he to wouldn't him. drop any balls. Uh, that That is what. I mean, every football that was thrown to him, regardless of who was throwing it to him, you just had to be excited about this young man. And the expectations were unbelievable. And we all know 420 and what it stands for, how it's up in smoke today. And so was this guy's career. Uh. I mean, it, 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 it just it flamed out quicker than a, a, a doobie does. Man, if he caught that pass in the national championship on third and 13 on honestly one of the best throws Bryce Bryce Young made in his entire career if he caught that pass and Alabama wins that national championship I think a Jai Hall would have gone on to have a great career in Alabama he he's a guy and receivers a lot of receivers in general like he just seemed to be such a head case and she couldn't get out of his own way at Alabama same thing in Texas I mean just it never worked out for him. The kid. It might be an overstatement to say he, he would have had a great career at Alabama. But man, if he could have held on to that ball, Alabama would have won the national championship, I'll tell you that. Georgia wouldn't be back-to-back -back national champions, I'll tell you that. Um, man, I really didn't mean for this to be in a Jai Hall segment. But A-Day, that's just what A-Day does. It's like 
you know, you think about guys who have gone on to have great performances at a day and then not panned out. It's like, that's the first name that comes to mind. It's a Jai Hall. So, uh, you know, let's hope Ty Simpson doesn't suffer the same fate. And, and when you start looking outside of the running back room and the quarterback room, and of course, you have no live special teams period where, of course, Will Riker can kick field goals and try to find a way. There is no special scoring system that's set up by Nick Saban in this A-Day game. Unlike Hugh Freeze decided to go ahead and put 24 points on the board. So every coach finds their niche in regards to what works for them. But again, just the fans coming out, interacting, and one of the things that I love the most about this whole situation with how the fans go ahead and are allowed on the field after a day game, I think Nick Saban could recruit some of the fans running to hmm. get autographs more so than some of the players. Well, I remember a user in the app asked, like, it was like two weeks ago, what the over-under is on people tripping and falling down the stairs running to get on the field after the game. Now... How and now the question is: Is the first a day where beer is going to be sold in Bryant Denny? How does that affect that over under? You got to factor that in. How many beers? How many fans? How many trips? How many falls? You got to. These are these are the questions we need to ask. And, and those are the funny questions because there's going to be footage. There's going to be highlights of those that go ahead and have an opportunity to get those autographs to go ahead and find a way to get on the on the field. And again, those 40 times are better than some of what you see in the NFL combine. And I think that's really where it is. And, you know, when you start talking about the NFL combine, I think that, of course, the odds now are, are, are definitely in favor of Bryce Young going overall to the number one in, in, in front of C.J. Stroud. But from a numbers or those who love partaking in gambling, mm. why do you think that that number has shifted and changed so to where Bryce Young, again, not going on any more or taking any more visits to any more franchises? Why, why is that that the numbers keep favoring in Vegas that Bryce Young is going to be the overall number one pick? Uh, well... Because Bryce Young is going to be the number one overall pick. To to put it pretty simply there, that's, but that's there just what debate, it is. But there was debate with C.J. Stroud coming in. There was debate saying that C.J. Stroud was the better quarterback. Well, he, they, he fit better well, into what Frank Reich was looking into. Well, he certainly is not the better quarterback, but this kind of happens almost every year. It's like there's a debate as to who the consensus number one pick is going to be. There's there's a few guys, in, unless it's like an Andrew Luck type year where, where you know for a long time for sure this guy is going to be the number one pick. There's often a few different guys vying for that spot. Even look at last year. Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson were both in contention for that number one pick. And then as you get closer to the draft, and it was really closer last year approaching the draft than it's going to be this year, it should, the the guy emerges and things leak, and that's just the reality, and Vegas starts to know, and it becomes clearer 
who's going to be the number one pick. And the betting markets, they don't miss uh, when, it, when it comes to this. Bryce Young is minus 2,000 or whatever the number is up to. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not for no, it's not because a guy in Vegas just is an Alabama fan and thinks Bryce Young is the best quarterback and is going to be the number one. No, Bryce Young is minus 2,000 because he's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Now, if there's this huge odd shift tomorrow and Bryce Young jumps to an underdog to be the number one pick, well, I'll change my tune on that because, again, there's a reason uh, There's a reason those casinos are so big and shiny. They they know. They're, they're not just going off the cuff here. Uh, Bryce Young is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I think more interesting than that, Will Anderson is now the favorite to be the second overall pick in the draft. So, so are we going to get Bama Bama one and two? And we'll talk to uh, Paul Gallon at the bottom of the hour about that from, uh, from Houston Radio. And I, I don't know. I, I really do think, if I were guessing right now, I, I've given the Broner guarantee on Bryce Young going one. And I'm sticking with that. I'm like almost, I'm about this close to giving a second Broner guarantee on Will Anderson going second. Well, I, it would definitely be historic from an Alabama standpoint. One versus two overall offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. And I think that both players would be deservingly so if they decided to go that route of being one versus two. But I just think there's so many other needs, so many other needs for the Texans in regards to D'Amico Ryan's having to have that quarterback. And I I, I just, I'm going to say that over and over again, Michael. The Texans, you can think that you're going to wait till next year and grab your quarterback next year, but there's one available for you at two. You're guaranteed. You know you're picking at two. You don't know where you're guaranteed to pick next year. Go with your quarterback. When you're that bad, like you just said, there's so many needs. I think there often is something to be said about taking the best player available. So we'll see. And the best player available, regardless of position, at two, is going to be Will Anderson. That's I frankly that's not even up for debate. That that is a, that is the truth. That is what the reality is. Will Anderson is the second best overall player in the NFL draft. Bryce Young being the best. Uh he's a better football player than CJ Stroud. He's a better football player than Anthony Richardson, maybe, unless Anthony Richardson ends up being Patrick Mahomes, which I don't think is going to be. But the where case. where is your franchise? The NFL has just shown where the money is is with the quarterback. And that's even though Defense again wins championships, so to speak. What if CJ Stroud isn't good? What ifs? What if Ryan Leaf was good? You know, what if there were other busts that would have produced from their particular draft pick? But quarterback is one that you have to go with. You have to go with the quarterback at two because if you go defense, you better hope that you get Bosa type numbers in year one that continue to steady climb and as a rookie you lead the NFL in sacks or J.J. Watt type of numbers in year one And, and that has to sustain itself if not that's why you have to go at quarterback at two the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 Corey Labonte and Michael Brauner joining you this afternoon Look forward to hearing from you in the app. Or you can correspond with us the old-fashioned way. Give us a call, 251-694-1055. 
Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Michael Bronner, along with Corey LeBounty, bringing you all of your sports information updates. And, of course, what we're updating you with right now is why the Texans definitely should go for a quarterback next year. Or, excuse me, in this Thursday's upcoming a week from today's draft. And... We would love to hear from you and see you at Walk-Ons next Thursday as Michael Bronner and I will be doing the final drive from Walk-Ons on Airport Boulevard. We'll be raffling off a $1,200 Traeger grill, also along with an opportunity to win a Bryce Young jersey. So the money says that Bryce Young is going number one. You can come to Walk-Ons and join us to register for an opportunity to win that Traeger grill and also that Bryce Young Alabama jersey. So we look forward to seeing everyone at walk-ons. But Rod Childress in the app says, next year's draft is loaded with quarterbacks. Take Will Anderson and hope you make a wild card push this season. Wow. So I will say Will Anderson, you better hope you don't make a wild card push. We'll see the difference and the reason I say you must go with the quarterback at two if you're the Texans. Well, here's why. Because defense, you're you're put on the field and you're expected to produce immediately. There is no sitting, waiting, learning when you're drafted as a defensive lineman, defensive back, or a linebacker in the NFL. There is no learning curve. There's You get out there and you're expected to be on the field immediately. How many n- number one Overall taking quarterbacks in regards to a first-round pick from an NFL standpoint are 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 ready when preseason begins or game number one begins the first week in September. Not that many. You don't see too many that are are game day ready. So even if the Texans take C.J. Stroud at two, he's going to be on the bench waiting his turn. It may be week three or four a month in before he hits the field for the Texans. Will Anderson, if he's drafted, of course, that'll be historical for Alabama. But from the standpoint of coming on the field and expecting to put up ridiculous numbers from your first year, that's why you go with the quarterback. Well, I hear you. And let me tell you why you're wrong. So... Your argument is that C.J. Stroud, or let's, I guess let's assume it would be C.J. Stroud. Maybe it's Anthony Put Richardson. Put any of them. Put Anthony any Richardson there. We'll leave us. It, 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 it doesn't matter. I think the argument for Stroud probably in this case is that he would be ready to go by week one, whereas Anthony Richardson is more of a quote-unquote project. But let's say it's Stroud. Even if, so if he's not playing early in the season, the Texans. let's say the Texans aren't upgrading at quarterback for the first, I don't know, half of the season where C.J. Stroud's not playing. The Texans are going to be terrible next year pretty much no matter what. They won three games this year. They're going so in D'Amico you would hope is going to improve that, you would hope, but they're going to be terrible next year pretty much no matter what. Especially if you have a quarterback 
if, if your second overall pick is CJ Stroud, who's not playing half the season in, in this scenario you've just spun. So in that case, you're gonna be picking in the top three again next year. So why not just why not just take the best player on the board? Who's gonna improve your football team long term? Take Will Anderson. And then go get this guy next year, Drake May or Caleb Williams, because they're both going to be stars. They're both really good. You, you just don't know at what point in time, because, again, the Bears had the number one overall pick until what point in time? About a month and a half ago. So there's too many predetermining factors, because even though the Cardinals are drafting at three, if I'm them, I go ahead and I, I get out of that spot. Yeah, I would agree from the from I, I, I get the out of Cardinals. that spot. But you can with make the, the Texans, argument for trading down if you're the Texans, too. I would maybe tr consider a trade down as well. It, besides, I just wouldn't take C.J. Stroud. If, you want if you're the Texans and, you and someone really wants, whether it be C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson or whoever, at the second overall pick, and a team calls you with a big offer and you can collect more first-round assets next year and trade down from that two spot, I would strongly consider it. Because, again, that's giving you the ammo if somehow some way you're not terrible next season to move back up next year and get one of these guys next year so i think that's certainly an option houston should consider we'll talk to paul gallon about that as well uh but yeah i just i'm if it's not bryce young i'm not taking a quarterback second overall in this class i just don't like him enough bryce young we all think that he's going to go one okay so so we know that bryce young is going to be off the board. And if for some reason he does fall in the Texans' lap. And they did it to themselves. Then, 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 then they find their winner. They, they found yeah. their golden child. They could have had him, too. But they, they I could have had him. And that, that, again, that goes back to Lovey Smith winning, winning one too many games for the Houston Texans. But I will say this. I just feel that at number two, if, if you're looking for someone – they can get on the field immediately and make a difference. Okay, go 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 with Will Anderson Jr. because he's going to be on the field in week one. He's going to be ready to go. But the, the pressures and the numbers that he's going to have to put up are going to have to dictate taking him over a franchise quarterback that you could have had in this year's draft that's guaranteed. Because there's a reason that C.J. Stroud up until a week ago, was listed to go before Bryce Young. Pretty much out of eight out of ten mock drafts. There's another reason why he's not going to go ahead of Bryce Young. L come with it. Because I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's nearly as good. So if, if as an evaluator. Which, in, I'm, which I don't claim to be. No, 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 no. In, in many mock drafts. That's what makes this walk-ons challenge we're going to have oh, it's gonna be for great. all our listeners it's gonna be electric. so good. You, you get an opportunity to play GM, and who's going to go in the top 10 picks in order to win a $1,200 Traeger drip, a grill along with the Bryce Young jersey that we're going to be giving away. I, I think that that's what makes it great to where you can have mock drafts, but in 8 out of 10 mock drafts prior to a week ago, C.J. Stroud still was going number one. Over Bryce Young. Now, if Bryce Young happens to fall to the Texans, then the Texans have absolutely hit the lottery and won. And it's a situation to where if you are D'Amico Ryans, being a former Alabama player, you, you, you would love to have Bryce Young 
on board because you know what he's built from. But coming up next, someone with some insider information about the Texans and the weather. They will pick a defensive player like Will Anderson Jr. or whether they'll say, okay, we'll, we're going to trade out of that spot. Paul Gallant, he covers the Texans. We'll talk with him next here on the final drive. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And we were having the, the pleasant debate on whether the Texans should go ahead and snatch up Bryce Young if he's available at two or whether they should go Will Anderson Jr. if he's available at two or whether you go with C.J. Stroud and I'm of the mindset again you definitely go ahead and try to snatch up C.J. Stroud if he's available now Will Anderson Jr. is that dude he's that guy that can disrupt defenses and, and did so as a true freshman for the University of Alabama. And, of course, if you love draft history, you would love to see the fact that there's only maybe one or two programs in the history of the NFL that have had one and two from the same program be drafted. And that would be a special situation in and of itself. And we've talked about Kirby Smart and his bragging rights about being the king of college football. And as a as a recruit, if you're sitting there and you're watching the NFL draft and you see that Alabama has one and two, or even one and three, you have to say, look, that that's that's where I want to go. But what's interesting to me is the fact that you see so many four and five star athletes that go to Auburn or Alabama and they wind up hitting that portal. So just because you are that top-notch recruit coming out of high school, you have to find a way to maintain and keep that sharpened. And I think that's that's where the biggest production factor lies and why Nick Saban has had more first-round draft picks than any other coach because the fact that you become developed, you come in as a five-star and – you stayed at five-star because Bryce Young, five-star five star quarterback coming out of high school, and, of course, he's going to leave as probably the number one overall taking draft pick. So you find a way to continue to hit that mark. Same thing Will Anderson. Will Anderson comes in as a highly valued high school prospect, and he's developed. So there's a difference when you do come in, and I think that's been – the biggest bugaboo for a lot of Auburn fans is the fact that there there is and have been NFL talent on Auburn's roster the last five to seven years, but has it been developed into first-round talent? That's, that's the biggest question that everyone has. Has it been developed into first-round talent? And if it's not, then so be it. And that's a situation to where I know that 
the numbers speak for themselves in regards to across the country, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Florida, whether it's LSU, whether it's Georgia or Alabama, overall, your first-round draft picks, that's where the difference lies and the difference becomes. And because of that, look forward to seeing where this draft next Thursday is going to take us. Because it, it could be a plain Jane draft to where you see those top four quarterbacks on the list be gone within the first 10 picks. Or we could see somebody like Richardson sitting in the green room up until pick number 20 or 21. And we've seen that before in the NFL draft. There's no worse feeling than sitting and having a player in the green room that's invited to the NFL draft and not be there. there there's, there's no worse feeling than having that camera stay on you when you thought you were going to be a top 10 pick and that just not be the case. And that's what's tough for a lot of these athletes, which I think may happen to Richardson. And if it does, then it, it can be, I, I kind of, I told you so, because who created this monster? Was it the media? The same media that watched the same Florida Gator games that we watched? And the same film for the same opponents that everybody else watched? Is it, do you just have to have measurables to, to put your name in the hat to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. And that's where, and that's what I want to know, Michael. Is that the case? I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to have this tremendous draft day uh, fall. I, I just, but you raise a good point about if he does, like, yes, the media has certainly created this monster. Now, is, is Will Levis attending the draft, do you know? Haven't seen whether he is going to be on site or not in the green room. I think uh, he's a guy who you could certainly see. I wouldn't be shocked if he fell out of the first round. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I again, I haven't seen whether he's attending or not. Again, like you said, it's just you don't want to be that guy sitting in the green room with the camera on you. Why are you falling? Why are you falling? Why are you falling? Because before. The Anthony Richardson hype train kind of left the station and rolled completely out of control. It was Will Levis as that th- as that guy right after Stroud and Bryce Young. Will Levis was the top five pick. Will Levis going into the season was the guy who was a dark horse for the Heisman. And then he's had such a fall from grace during this draft. Pro- not that he's going undrafted or anything like that. He still has a good chance of being a first-round pick. But he's a guy who certainly is a name who fell off in terms of the top quarterbacks in the draft. He's not going to be a top 10 pick. I'd be shocked. Well, he is scheduled to be one of the 17 attendees in the green room. And well, that was it. Yes. Wow. So that's that's where I want to I want to see the difference. And of course, you have Will Anderson Jr., Brian Branch, and of course, Bryce Young, yeah. the three Alabama players. See, I don't think Bryce and Will are going to be waiting very long. Branch, it seems like everyone's very spread out on where Brian Branch is going to be drafted. We've talked about him a lot. I mean, I think he's he's a guy who's good enough to be drafted in the top half of the first round, and there's not 
as much of a value placed on safeties, but I also think positionless football is the future in the NFL, and Branch is kind of that chess piece guy who can play wherever you put him in the secondary, and there's a good chance he ends up playing in that nickel cornerback position in the NFL. So Branch, is, again, is the guy that a team is going to fall in love with his versatility and make him ultimately, I believe, a first-round pick. But who was it, Shane Hallam, who said you know, he doesn't know if Brian Branch is going to go in that top 25 yeah, I think the talent is certainly there. I think the football IQ is certainly there. But there are a lot of really good shutdown corners. You know, we talk about Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, even Joey Porter from Penn State. That maybe a, a guy who's listed as a safety and Brian Branch just doesn't get drafted all that high. We'll see what happens, but that is that is interesting that he's in the green room. I think he could go anywhere from 14 to 40. It's kind of a 30 for 30 special when you sit there and you don't have your name called for that green room action. And and one of those, Jalen Carter. And, and I don't know if, if teams are actually going to go ahead and roll that dice and, and, and grab him early. And that very well may be the case because I think that sometimes when you start looking, getting past the Seahawks who pick five and, and the Lions who pick six, I just don't think that either one of those head coaches are going to pass on Jalen Carter. Now, if for some reason they do, we know it, it. it's definitely not because of the tape that we've seen. Mm. It has to do with issues outside of it. So I, I think that the, the, the cameras and the lights are going to be the brightest in the green room on people like Jalen Carter. I think if he makes it past five or six, you're going to see a team make a big trade up for him. On Anthony Richardson, those those lights are going to be so bright because when the media creates someone from an expectation standpoint, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to continue to meet or exceed those expectations or you're going to fall short. And I just remember you look at Lamar Jackson in his green room and sitting next to his mom and his name not being called. And when it finally was, that that really sticks with you and resonates with you. And he's not the only one that has been out there looking silly and waiting in the green room. Quinn was a quarterback that was drafted, I think, by the Browns from Penn State was another one came up in the news again this week he's seen all this uh cj stroud allegedly skipping the manning camp stuff i have not he, he uh i mean rg3 and and brady quinn been going back and forth brady quinn came out with this report i don't know if he even really called it a report but allegedly what happened was cj stroud committed to the manning camp and then just ghosted and didn't show up and then he, uh, Brady Quinn has all these people going after him saying this report is completely fabricated and made up. Brady Quinn said the information was vetted. RG3 was going after him. He had all kinds of different people going after him. Brady Quinn and RG3, unlikely rivalry there, but they were going after each other on Twitter. I believe Brady Quinn was probably told that about CJ Stroud. Uh, uh, apparently it wasn't true. Maybe it was true. Obviously, I guess Stroud didn't go to the Manning camp because he wanted to work out with his Ohio State teammates, which is fine. You know, I don't really care whether you go to the Manning camp or not. Uh, but it was it was just a, a wacky little story that was going around. Well, I mean, this again, I, I remember Lamar Jackson, but, you know, I'll piggyback off Johnny Manziel. 
was another one of those who, who had to sit and wait and wait and wait in 2014, nine years ago. You also sit and talk about one Aaron Rodgers having to wait late in yeah. the first round it's before. the best example, honestly. He, he's, I mean, he's your most current in regards to your largest name is concerned from a paycheck standpoint is concerned. And that was back in 05 which seems many moons ago, but at the same time, when you're Johnny Manziel and you're Aaron Rodgers, what, what's the common theme? Johnny Manziel, Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, all those, what, what is the common factor right there? They're all quarterbacks. It, it, exactly. So that, that, makes, that makes better television drama. When a quarterback drops. When a quarterback sits there and, and drops, same thing with Lamar. It, it drops like a rock or doesn't go where they were expected to go by the, the professionals in the media, the talking heads in the media. Well, we're As, talking heads, it, technically. It, 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 but to have that platform – on NFL Draft Day, we'll have our platform at Walk-Ons <laughs> to talk about and to discuss for our three-hour final drive that will be held at Walk-Ons a week from today. And we encourage all the fans to come out and have an opportunity to fill out their top ten picks. And the fan who gets it closest to being correct, based on our point system that we're going to have, you'll win a $1,200 Traeger Grill and a Bryce Young jersey, along with hanging out with all us at WNSP. That's the best part. You can't beat that at all. So we're looking forward to to being at Walk-Ons in about a week, Will, doing the final drive from three to six. Will Levis, by the way, uh, met with the Patriots today. Uh, why in the world <laughs> would he? The Patriots. They they have Mac Jones. I, they've done this before, kind of just uh, do your homework. They, they they do this like they met with Baker Mayfield. They met with Justin Herbert. They tend to do this, and uh, I mean, if you're an NFL team, you would hope they do their due you do their due diligence. Tongue twister, uh, but yeah, they have a tendency to to do this. But I saw Will Levis meeting with the Patriots today. And my first thoughts were, oh God. Please, no. Please, anything but that. And I think, heck, if Will Levis dropped to the second round, eh, sure, why not? But at 14, oh, there, there, there's actually not a worse thing the Patriots could do in terms of, like, you want to see me sad at walk-ons? You better hope Will Levis falls to the gets drafted at 14 to the Patriots. You'll see a sad Michael Bronner. Well, we'll see if the Auburn Tiger fans are sad after finding out the latest – Basketball player for Bruce Pearl's team who is testing the NBA waters. We'll talk about that next year on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. Final drive on WNSP 105.5. You can always interact with us on the app or give us a call, 251-694-1055. And 
we are always talking about the transfer portal and having an opportunity to make a roster or not make a roster. Bruce Pearl, you know, I, I think he's either going to have a lot of work to do, very similar to Nate Oates, or he's going to be just fine because senior forward Jalen Williams, along with Janai Broom, Wendell Green Jr., all have declared for the NBA draft, and they have until May 31st to withdraw their names. And Wendell Green Jr., he's not withdrawing his name. I think he's he's going to go on to greener pastures. Yeah, he's. I mean, I don't know if he'll be an NBA guy, but he's certainly not coming back to Auburn. But Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, Broom was a transfer that made a huge difference. All SEC type of performer. And you definitely want to see him grab the bag. But can he increase by coming back? Can he make more money by coming back to Auburn and having another successful season and taking the SEC by storm? Yeah, Broom was great this season for Auburn. He For a transfer from Moorhead State, you could make the argument that he was Auburn's best player a lot of the time. I mean, could have made some more free throws, especially in the Houston game. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, he, he really was very phenomenal for Auburn. Gave them a toughness down low. Uh, Jalen Williams is a really good player, too. So, I, I mean, I don't know what they're – it's very hard to gauge all of these guys' draft statuses. Like, Charles Bidiaco had this great season for Alabama and declares for the draft, but he's fully expected to return to Alabama just because – you know, he still has a lot of development. Same thing. He can't make a free throw, but he still has development to do offensively. And it's just more of a defensive guy than an offensive. He won't get drafted as things currently stand. And I don't really understand why. We'll have to have an NBA scout on next next week or something to analyze some of these Alabama and Auburn guys that have entered the draft. And I, I would assume Broom and Williams probably both have a pretty good chance of coming back. It's, it's, uh, it's hard not to overreact to news like this, but when – Stuff like this happens in today's day and age in college basketball. You have to just take it with a big grain of salt because it is just the reality of college basketball in 2023. 20, and I do think it's a good thing like that these guys can go get feedback, hear from NBA scouts, find out, one, mo most importantly, what they need to work on uh, for, from their game and, and to get to that NBA level and then have, still have the option to return to school. I mean, you're, you're looking at Williams – Jalen Williams from Auburn, what he meant to Auburn this past season, third on the team in scoring and rebounding, and finished second in assists. So he's he's played over the last four seasons over 100 games for, for Auburn. So if he comes back, you're definitely bringing back the experience and leadership that you would love to see. And I think that, that that that'll be critical when Bruce Pearl is trying to arrange his roster. Now, what makes it difficult is when someone waits past the May 31st deadline make, and they make their decision to go ahead and go, you have to assume they're, they're gone when you start creating or building a roster and trying to grab guys out of the transfer portal because now you're up against the wall yeah. time-wise on what you can do. And who you can get. Yeah. And the quality of player that you can receive. 
And I think that that's what transforms all these rosters collegiately when guys do test the NBA waters. It's one thing if you currently have four or five McDonald's All-Americans or lottery picks like Arkansas does in Barry Dunn in Jr.'s case to go ahead and not want to waste a year of eligibility. And you know that Musselman's contacting 78 different guys. It's actually more than that. But but the portal definitely has changed things. Being able to test the waters, if you think you're ready, then by all means, test the waters because you've already had a couple of guys in the history of Auburn to do that and be successful in deciding to come back to Auburn. Alan Flanagan, Dylan Cardwell, both tested the waters and came back. So if you're Auburn, no panic mode yet, but your roster could drastically change if you're Bruce Pearl. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5, wrapping up hour number one. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty and Michael Brauner joining you on this Thursday afternoon. And, you know, I've been in sticky situations before in my life. I know Michael Brauner probably has been in some as well. And I, I've asked Mike time and time again to, to, to leave the microphones alone in regards to how sticky they are sometimes and and sometimes foreign substances are found on these WNSP microphones don't know if they're coming from Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian in the morning but I always appreciate what you're insinuating here honestly (laughs) I always have to beware of the sticky substances that are around especially in Major League Baseball and that was a situation that we're going to bring someone in that can talk to us about it he's never in a sticky situation he just sticks tight to the final drive. Lindsey Crosby joins us this afternoon. Lindsey, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Corey. The real question is, is it the sticky stuff that you guys gave Michael so that he wouldn't drop the paper? Is that what he was using, or did he bring in a different sticky stuff? No, it's, That's what's it's, so all, it's all legal sticky stuff on my end, Lindsey. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation with Max Scherzer and what's going on because he gets ejected in the fourth inning, yesterday because after a hand check and after he washes his hands they say hey your hands are still sticky your hands have a foreign substance on them Uh, he's like it's rosin you give us rosin i sweat when you mix those together you get a sticky substance here's the issue with with this whole 
Max Scherzer rejection for sticky stuff. He has an argument when he goes to appeal the ejection and the automatic 10-game suspension that comes along with it because MLB gives you a bag of rosin on the mound to apply. But MLB has a case because the rule memo that they put out in spring training specifically said you can only use the rosin bag that we give you on the mound, and he reapplied rosin in the, the tunnel going to the clubhouse before he went back out. So both sides are kind of right here, and that's the hard part about this, is that, yes, he broke the rules, but to him, he did it with the thing that they give you. So what happens now? What about the fact that all three ejections in the past year have come from the same umpire, Phil Cuzzy? For, the, for all three I, ejections for, sick, for sticky stuff, rather. I, I should not have to know an umpire's name unless exactly. he's just really good at what he does. Shout out Pat Hoberg for calling perfect games. Phil Cuzzy obviously has this idea of what the sticky stuff, the, the tolerable level, and his idea is different from everybody else's. So they had this issue when it came to rubbing the balls up with the mud, and MLB had to actually make a standardized visual chart that said, this is uh, the proper discoloration of a baseball when it's been rubbed up with mud to make sure they didn't use too much. Obviously, you've got to figure out some standard amongst the umpires to establish this is how much rosin a guy is allowed to apply before it becomes too much. Because right now, it's left to their discretion. And like you just mentioned, Phil Cuzzy obviously has an issue with it that nobody else has because he's the only one that's thrown guys out for it. Well, it's not only just throwing someone out. It's the Mets a couple games back of the Atlanta Braves currently, and he's looking at facing a 10-game suspension for the Mets, and I'm quite sure that they'll appeal it immediately, but I think it's going to be a hard one to win because of Major League's baseball stance on foreign substances. Yeah, it's the issue that they have. Well, there's, there's two, it's twofold. One if they appeal it immediately, he's allowed to continue to play until the, the decision's handed down. And if they don't win the appeal and get it shortened, he's going to miss the series against the Braves. So that's why this is important for Braves fans to pay attention to, because he might miss the Braves series if they lose. But then, two, it feels like he's not going to win this, but this feels like a stance the Players Association is going to fight for. Because if you look what happened last week with the Yankees, Domingo German has a similar situation all the way down to they also made him go wash his hands. He came back. There was too much rosin, but he wasn't ejected. And then Rocco Baldelli of the Twins, the manager, goes out to argue about it, and he gets ejected instead of Domingo German. So it's, it's, it's going to get argued. And part of me thinks Max Scherzer may have done this on purpose to try to make them acknowledge this. He did some stuff in spring training with the pitch clock to try to get them to clarify the rules because they weren't, uh, they weren't explicit enough as to exactly what you could and couldn't do. So part of me thinks this is intentional, but either way, we've got to figure this out because if this were, imagine if this were to happen, imagine New York media, if this were to happen in the playoffs, if Max Scherzer gets ejected in game three of the NLCS and they go on to lose. So really have to figure that out. Well, is this a situation to where this will be one of the classic Items that we'll be talking about as far as from a sticky substance 
kind of like what you saw with George Brett back in the day with the pine tar on the bat because you could immediately see the reaction of Scherzer after it occurs. And I, I don't think he went into the type of rant that George did, but at the same time, it, it's it's interesting to see the reactions when players do get called out on anything that could be considered illegal. Yeah, it's the stakes weren't as high as Brett's, right? I mean, this is a game in April and it was the fourth inning, but at the same time, if they end up, this is the thing that makes them go to the, the pre-sticky baseball, which uh, quick plug, Lockett and MLB Prospects, last week we got our hands on the sticky ball that they were using in AA. We have a video up for that from last week. Uh, if, they, if this is the thing that makes MLB introduce the sticky ball, we're going to remember this in the same terms as the George Brett game. Uh, it's, it's, MLB has to figure out what to do, and I'm not entirely sure how they go on from this. Because, yes, if they suspend him for 10 games and they uphold that suspension, you're going to have players stop using rosin because they because even the legal substance is going to get them in trouble unless MLB clarifies exactly why this was not okay and Domingo Germans was okay and why everybody else's has been okay. I think part of this may just be a Phil Cuzzy issue too. <laughs> I I also tend to believe it's a Phil Cuzzy issue. That's that's why, like you said, I think that was the perfect way to describe it. When you know an umpire's name, certainly that just isn't good. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to know an umpire's name, like I said, unless it's Pat Hoberg and he gets every single call right in a game and we acknowledge he's the best umpire there is. Unless it's that, I don't need to know him. I also, does anybody else find it weird that Agent Scott Boris was on the field for the argument? <laughs> it's a little bit, little bit odd, right? Like his, his agent's on the field. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Max Scherzer was kind of one of the more outspoken guys against the spider attack thing when it, when that whole uh, drama was coming out, right? Yes, and I, that is why this, I think, has become such the big news story that it is, is because he was very adamant that he hasn't done anything. After the game, he said, I swear on my kid's life, it was just rosin and sweat, which that's a very strong thing to swear Ooh. on, and if he, I mean, if it legitimately is just rosin and sweat, which I'm inclined to believe it was, because from what I understand, they watched him do it. An MLB official watched him apply it in the tunnel before he went back out. It's just Phil Cuzzy had an issue with it afterwards. It's, that's the biggest part of this is he was so adamant, I don't use foreign substances, and then they eject him and they say it's for a foreign substance, and his explanation is, no, it's the rosin and, and sweat that you give us. Last week, I asked you, headed into the Alabama-Auburn series, who needed it more? You were adamant that Auburn needed it more. Alabama obviously able to pick up a huge series win, mm -hmm. getting two out of three. So where do both teams stand now as we head into this weekend? So here's the issue for Auburn now is the consensus is that you have to have pretty much 14 wins in conference to make the postseason. Auburn has five series left this year. They have five conference wins right now. And – Two of those series are against top six teams. You go to South Carolina, to number six South Carolina, and you're home for number one LSU. And so if you can't, like, pretty much you have to sweep Missouri at home, you have to sweep Mississippi State at home, and you have to sweep Ole Miss in Oxford. And every game you don't win in those three series 
that means that's a game you have to pick up against number one LSU or at number six South Carolina. So the margin for error for Auburn is now virtually gone. You have to come out and dominate those three non-ranked opponent series or else you're not going to make the postseason. Baseball America has Auburn as one of the first four out. After that Alabama series, D1 baseball went from Auburn's the number three seed to Auburn's one of the first four out. So the margin for error is gone for Auburn baseball. They have to sweep Mississippi State this weekend, or it's in, in essence, the dream is over. Well, unlike basketball, to where you get all the teams in to the SEC tournament, for those that don't know, the SEC tournament for baseball is a little bit different to where you can be left out. And how did the SEC and how long has the SEC been leaving out teams who finish in the bottom half? So to kind of clarify for everybody here, 12 of the 14 teams get in. So you're going to have one team from each left out. I want to say in, what was it? It was, it was maybe the eighties when it was a, a, it was four out of 10 teams. And then it, it moved up in 87 to six. And then, like it's slowly gotten to where it's almost everybody, but you still have two teams that are out. As of right now, it looks like Georgia at 4-11 in conference and Ole Miss at 3-12 and are the first two teams that are going to be out. But again, Auburn has to play Ole Miss still, and so there absolutely is an option uh, where if, if Auburn drops some games to Ole Miss, they might not make the tournament either. I think that that's huge in regards to when you start talking about what you have left on the schedule. And as far as the expectations for Auburn coming in, it sure wasn't having an opportunity not to make an op- make a run at postseason play. But you, you mentioned the reasons, and I, I think that the Achilles heel of every single team is going to be based on their pitching. And if you are not having the closer or you're not getting the type of production that you need from pitching, whether it's injury or any other, just struggling to hit the strike zone. I think that that's the biggest factor for Auburn and the disappointments that have occurred so far. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's walked almost 200 batters on the season. Uh, and and it's it's something where they've, they've played 323 innings of baseball and they've walked almost 200 batters. It's giving up three base runners. They do whether it's walks, whether it's a hit by pitch, whether it's wild pitches at advanced guys, and just about every single big Auburn loss of the year, you can go back and look at all of the free runs that they give up. And the issue that Auburn's had, the weekends where they've looked the best are the weekends where the starters are able to take multiple innings. So you look at last weekend, they get a long start from Tommy Vale, they go on to win that game. But so many of the Sundays, Auburn's terrible record on Sundays goes because they get a pitcher in the game in game one or game two that can't seem to find the strike zone, walks a bunch of guys, they give up a big hit, now there's a big deficit, and Auburn has to start making pitching changes early. And so they're just out of pitching on the 27-man roster by the time that game three comes around and they get blown up. And so this weekend, you've got Tommy Vale starting again. He's been probably your only really consistent guy. He started every SEC game. But even he, in 37 innings, has 25 walks. Uh, they, this, this rotation leads the SEC in most walks allowed. They lead the SEC in doubles allowed. And the consistency hasn't been there from outing to outing, from start to start, or even from inning to inning. 
for Auburn, and that's been the big issue this season. Well, we'll, we'll before we let you go, I, I wanted to ask you about the Padres and getting mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. back, and this is someone that we have not seen in over a year in Major League Baseball who signed one of the largest contracts that you could possibly imagine and his endorsements continue to pay him, but him coming back from his suspension that was given to him by Major League Baseball, how scary does that make the Padres? It's got to be a big lift for the team, but I, I think the biggest thing is if you look at what he's done in the minor leagues since he's been in his rehab assignments or whatever you want to call them, he's been crushing the ball, and right now, San Diego has a contact issue. They've got exactly one batter batting over 300 in their regular lineup. Uh, home runs, they've only hit about, I think, 22 or 23 home runs. Uh, they're, they're striking out too much. They, they, they're not scoring enough runs. And bringing somebody into the caliber of a Fernando Tatis, who is as hot as he is, granted, against AAA pitching, gives you the ability to lengthen the top of the lineup. You have Xander Bogarts, you have Manny Machado, now you, you know, Juan Soto, now you slot Tatis in there, and then you start getting into your Jake Cronenworths, your Haysong Kims. Uh, it makes this lineup a lot more lethal. The question I have is what's going to happen to your outfield defense? You have Juan Soto, who's already not a great defender, playing left field. You have Fernando Tatis, who doesn't have a ton of time in the outfield, playing right. Uh, what happens to your defense? Is this a scenario where you're going to have to start outscoring teams because you can't keep you can't prevent the runs because of poor outfield defense? Last question for you: The Braves are atop the standings in the National League East. Three game series coming up against the defending world champion, the Houston. Can the Braves continue to stay hot? They won eight out of their last ten, which isn't too shabby, but you don't want to start down that spiraling path to where you allow the Mets to take control as you get ready to go into the month of May. Yeah, I feel good about the Braves this weekend simply because the pitching has been so good now that Max Freed is back. And so they've looked really good. And the top of the lineup, with the exception of last night's loss against the Padres, the top of the lineup has been incredibly hot. Ronald Acuna Jr. leads the league in runs. Sean Murphy, Matt Olson are both up there in RBIs and OPS, some of the best performers in the league. And so even though the Braves are a little bit depleted injury-wise without Michael Harris, without Travis Darnot, they have adequate replacements at the moment, whereas the Astros are hurting without Jose Abreu. They've got some guys underperforming. I feel like the Braves are going to win two out of three this weekend. Appreciate it, Lindsay. How can people see and listen to all of your great coverage of not only SEC baseball, Auburn baseball, but really major and minor league baseball as well. Thanks for that, Corey. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. We'll start at the lowest level and go up. College baseball, AuburnDaily.com, minor league baseball. The podcast is locked on MLB Prospects, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, professional baseball, Bravestoday.com. Appreciate it, Lindsay. We'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Thanks for having me, buddy. Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And when we come back from the final drive, we'll talk again about one of Michael Brauner's favorite coaches of all time in the NFL. We'll let you know who that is next. 
on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Michael Bronner has a favorite former NFL coach. You teased me here. Who was affiliated with his Patriots. Yeah, now, now I know where you're going. Now we're not talking about the GOAT and Belichick. Mm. We're talking about Matt Patricia. Yeah. And Matt Patricia, he worked wonders with the Patriots offense last year, Bronner. <laughs> and now he's going to have an opportunity to be a defensive assistant uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. You were real giddy to get that out, weren't you? Well, I, I just think that I know that that's one of your favorite pencil-holding players <laughs> in regards to former NFL coaches. Well, you know, he was an overrated defensive coordinator. Hey, he won Philadelphia Super Bowl already. If you go back to 2017 when we gave up 41 points to Nick Foles, couldn't get a stop then. Uh, and then, you know, so since he's already given Philadelphia a Super Bowl ring, good on him to be now employed by the Philadelphia Eagles as a senior defensive assistant. Glad he's moving back to the defensive side of the ball, average defensive coordinator, now uh, serving in, in the Eagles defense. We'll see. You know, he is a rocket scientist after all, so we'll see if he can uh, he can get back to some of his, his genius. A little bit of great news in regards to one of our local athletes who was involved in some national news here michael jefferson former murphy high school wide receiver had an opportunity to play at alabama state and for the cajuns he has been officially released from the hospital and his agent has said that he still will aspire to find a way to make it to the nfl and wouldn't that be one of those feel-good stories, but great. It, it's just the power of prayer in regards to Michael Jefferson being involved in an accident a couple of weeks ago in which a fatality took place, in which a drunk driver and that had drugs in his system going the wrong way and crashes in to Michael Jefferson, shattering his future and his most current NFL plans. So... Again, Michael Jefferson, we know that you're probably listening, and we sh we wish you the best don't in regards to to his recovery. Don't drive drunk, man. It, it's it's just uncalled for. Pretty easy to not do. And, and I, I just I'm glad that Michael Jefferson was able to a stay alive, but is still going to have a long rehab in front of him. But being young as he is, I think the best will be in front of him, man. Tonight. The best will play in the NBA. Philadelphia and Brooklyn, Sacramento, Golden State, Phoenix, and the Clippers. The Clippers playing without Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask me last night. And without Paul George. And, and have not had Paul George. But, again, the Milwaukee Bucks over oh. the heat without Giannis. They were putting it on them, too. They were up 25 and a half. No, no, here's the thing, Michael. 25 threes <laughs> that were made by the Milwaukee Bucks last night? 25. So That's unreal. I, I, I mean, 
that that's historic in and of itself. And they put it on Miami last night. But but are they able to do that if Giannis is playing? I say no because you're going to feed the big man <laughs> and, and feed the big man and feed the big man some more. Those shot touches aren't going up. Probably don't attempt 25 they're, threes if Giannis absolutely is on the floor. not. Yeah. Absolutely wow. not. So you know sometimes you have a, a situation to where. A disadvantage becomes an advantage and turn the shooters loose. We'll see in game three what the Bucks can do if Giannis is healthy enough to play. But I'm looking forward to seeing Sacramento and Golden State without Draymond Green, of course, serving that one-game suspension. We'll see more what fun. happens there. It's more fun when Draymond's playing, isn't it? A absolutely. And in the next hour, right around 4.15, 4.18 or so, there was there were some interesting comments made about what a lot of people and who a lot of people call the GOAT of NBA basketball, LeBron James. <laughs> Can't wait to get to this one. And we'll get to that in our next couple of segments because here coming up, we'll jump back and we'll talk a little NFL. Paul Gallant will join us. Are the Texans going to go defense, offense? We'll find out what their where their mind is next here on the final drive. Uh, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner with you this afternoon. And, of course, the Texans have the overall number two pick in next week's NFL draft. And we wanted to get some insight. Uh, and we had a little bit of debate earlier in this show about where the Texans should go offensively, defensively. Paul Gallant. ESPN 97.5 in Houston, Texas, gives us some insight from the Texans. Paul, good afternoon, and welcome to the final drive. Hey, what's going on? Man, just another beautiful day here in Mobile, Alabama, and too blessed to be stressed. And just wanted to get your thoughts about the Houston Texans at number two. Michael Brauner and I, had a debate in the first segment of our show where quarterbacks are your franchise position. And whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I know D'Amico Ryans is, A, an Alabama guy and a former defensive guy. But with that being said, are the Texans going to make history and see Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. 1-2? Or are the Texans just going to go ahead and say, look, we're going to grab a quarterback no matter who's on the board? It depends on the perspective of whoever's making the decisions. And I think since Nick Casario is the guy in charge, a guy who was with the New England Patriots, it's very likely that they're going to go with the best player on the board. But there's an added element here, guys. I, I don't know how on top of the Houston Texans you've been over the last five years or so, but let me tell you this. It's been hell. Uh, it's bad. Yeah, everyone's been on top of the Houston Texans, Paul. Yes, there you go. It's been 
hell on earth. And this fan base is in a spot where I think they're going to lose their minds if there isn't a quarterback taken with that second pick or with that 12th pick or if there's no trade-up in between. I legitimately think this entire fan base will lose its collective minds. And I'm very curious as to how the actual organization is going to operate with that in mind because I think they're aware of it. I think that the people that are at the very top, Cal McNair and his wife, Hannah McNair, I think they're a lot more self-aware than they've been in years past. And I think with that in mind, that might be a little extra added pressure on Nick Casario, GM, to maybe take a quarterback regardless of whether they like him. That probably wouldn't end well. I think, though, that if Bryce Young's off the board, number one, and it does seem like that, at least based off of the odds in Vegas, where Young's the heavy favorite to go first overall to Carolina, that that's the predicament they're going to find themselves dealing with. Paul, how much does uh, the fact that if you don't take a quarterback, you have to assume that the Indianapolis Colts division rival are likely going to end up with whoever the second quarterback is off the board, and you have to face that guy twice a year? (laughs) It makes it even worse. I mean, the Tennessee Titans could trade up into the top ten, too, and perhaps do the exact same thing. I mean, it's a dangerous game that the Texans are playing with, not just, hey, there might be a quarterback that we aren't the biggest fans of that goes somewhere else. They're going to go somewhere else that's lead the division. <laughs> Seems like Indy, Tennessee are two of the most QB needy teams. Maybe Vegas wants to fight their way up to the top of the draft. So, I mean, it should be a factor. It's definitely a factor for everyone that's waiting with bated breath. I, I'll say this, though. You got to operate as a smart football team. I do think Nick Casario's gotten a lot of undue crap for the way that this organization's been over the last couple of years. The problems really started from the top. At the very least, at the top, they're aware and they are rectifying some of those changes. They're pushing out, uh, let's just say, undesirables like Jack Easterby from having an influence in the organization. And you would think that in a year where it's clear the Texans have a head coach that is going to be here a while in D'Amico Ryan. That wasn't the case with Bobby Smith. That wasn't the case with David Culley. That that guy in his first year is also going to have to sign off on whatever quarterback they take. So if they don't love a quarterback when and the second pick comes to them and Bryce Young isn't available, I do not think that they should make that pick. But they're going to have to live with an angry city that's going to be talking trash (laughs) about them for probably the remainder of the summer and a lot of fans who have been checked out on the team for the last couple of seasons that aren't going to check themselves back in unless the team has some surprising success in the first couple of weeks and months of the year. Talking to Paul Gallant, he talks Texans on ESPN 97.5 in Houston. Paul, so that Week 18 game now, I, I, I mean, is this, is this just going to haunt the franchise for the rest of time, the fact that Bryce Young was was in y'all's laps, and, and you just yeah. and Lovey Smith just, he probably knew he was going to get fired and just said, you know what, I don't really care about the quarterback of the future. Let's just go ahead and I'm going to go out on top with a win, and if you don't get Bryce Young because of it, I don't really care. Rub it in some more. (laughs) Yeah, it's 
it's a tough spot to be in. I know a lot of the fan base lost their mind over it. I, I'm in a different place because I think it's immoral to lose football games on purpose, even if you're trying you. to get a better draft pick. Like, I think it's just wrong. You're asking players to not try in a game or you're telling them that they're not going to have their best teammates available. And I get it that it makes sense, and we're looking at it from a business perspective, not from an honor perspective. But I, I just think losing a game – let alone a game against the Colts, who everyone in this city hates. That's that's something that I didn't want to happen. I did want them to win that last game. And, look, I, I, I get why Lovey did that. They were playing much better at the end of the year than they had been during the middle. They got in a close game with Kansas City. They were in a close game with Dallas. I mean, if they won a couple of those games, we're not even talking about the, the weird – throw that Davis Mills made to the end zone that went through a Colts defender's hands and into the hands of a Texans receiver for a touchdown. But there's certainly a chance that they're going to be regretting this one for a while in the same way the Jets might be regretting some success that was unnecessarily unnecessary to the long-term future back when they could have had Trevor Lawrence and then they ended up with Zach Wilson, who looks like he could be out of the league in the near future. Well, do, you, do you feel that there's any possibility at all, Paul, that the Texans could trade the number two pick away and gain more valuable assets? And if they did that, you know, depending on who they decided to go ahead and swap with or what they're able to gain from it, just go ahead and say, all right, well, we did win three games. We want to try to multiply that next year regardless of what position we go in and if they don't trade in that position at number two is will anderson jr the best available if bryce comes off one so so i'll answer the last question first um I am always nervous with edge rushers about drafting them early. I, I think there's a large bust potential with them, and this is nothing against Will Anderson specifically or uh, Tyree Wilson at a Texas Tech who's thought to be the other top uh, edge rusher at the top of the draft. That generally, I get nervous about drafting an edge rusher. Honestly, I mean, I know there's a lot of character issues and a lot of red flags that he's been creating for himself over the last couple of months, but I think Jalen Carter's the second best player, uh, should be the second player off the board in this draft. Obviously, the Texans being the team making that pick, they are a team that in the past has stayed away from those who maybe have some moral question marks um, attached to them. Uh, as, as far as trading out, I think it depends on who's making the phone call. I, I think that the Texans have made some phone calls about perhaps trading back because I think they realize Bryce Young's not going to be there and Young's their guy. I think there's, as, as been, it's been reported that the building is split on C.J. Stroud, so there are some who like him. There are some who don't. No word on who, though. No word on if that's Domenico Ryans, who, who does or doesn't like him at Casario, or if the front office is perhaps putting a little bit of pressure. It would make sense if the front office is putting pressure on them. But also, I, I mean, I'm curious to know if there's a team that is really desperate to trade up to that number two spot. I think the tricky thing for the Texans is 
none of these quarterbacks, including Bryce Young, because he checks all the boxes except for he is tiny. I mean, I'm, I'm taller than him. Five <laughs> eleven. I I feel weird. I feel weird being taller than a potentially great NFL quarterback that I think everybody agrees is going to be good in the league. But there's no real generational prospect afterwards. There's a couple of guys that you can feel good about for a lot of different reasons. C.J. Stroud. I mean, he's produced for the last couple of years, but. It's not like he's won the big game against Michigan. In Anthony Richardson, you have a guy who is, like, blowing all the physicals out of the water. But, I mean, he had, like, a 53% completion percentage at Florida. And, and Will Levis, it's sort of the same deal where you've seen him succeed, but it wasn't exactly like it happened a lot last year. Tricky spot to be in. I, I, I think that they would have to initiate a phone call to make a trade out of that number two spot. And I think whenever you initiate a trade, you're probably not going to get as much in return for it as you want. So I, I think that they'll end up – I mean, I think it's more likely that they will end up staying in that number two spot. What's been really interesting, guys, is that this organization has been really tight-lipped, and it's led to all sorts of crazy speculation. And I'm really not sure how much stock to put into any of it, any of the reporting or any of the rumors that are surrounding the organization. So they could really do a variety of different things. <laughs> I suppose that goes to say, like, I don't know what they're going to do. Right. But – I, I think ultimately they will end up staying in the two spot and making you pick with that number two overall pick. 12 is the interesting one. I think that could be one that they potentially move. Bronner and I had this debate earlier again about a defensive player getting on the field immediately versus having, if you do decide to go with that franchise quarterback, no matter who it is, unless it's Bryce Young, and Bryce Young may not be ready week one, but having to wait versus having a defensive guy who's on the field week one, preseason, ready to take every snap for his rookie season. Yeah, look, there, there's definitely that. Their defense was so bad last season. Sort of gets lost in the shuffle because Davis Mills was such a disappointment, as was Pep Hamilton, finally. The offensive coordinator of that team, I think the idea is that this year, Case Keenum, who's bounced around the league, he's been around for, shoot, I think it's been 14 years that he's been in the NFL. It feels like that at the very least. Maybe that's a stretch. Wait, hang on. 2013 was when he first came into the league. So I, I think with a guy like Case Keenum under center, at the very least you have a guy who has been there and done that and isn't as disastrous as Mills was. Mills couldn't even complete basic passes to the sideline. And um, so if there is a quarterback that they draft, I think there's a pretty good chance because I don't think Young's going to be the guy, and especially with some interior offensive line issues that the Texans had last year. I don't know if they're going to want to throw that guy right into the fire. So it does make more sense to draft in a guy defensively who's going to play right away as opposed to you know a quarterback that's going to step right in there. Have you seen this week, I, and I think this is all just p people saying rumors, I don't think there was, or speculation, no actual rumors to back it up, but... So this week, people throwing out the name Trey Lance to Houston. Does that peak, does that peak your interest remotely, or no. is that just that just something <laughs> that you have no interest whatsoever? No, I'm biased. I'm biased on this because I, I and I think a lot of people in Houston are because we actually saw here in Houston Trey Lance play against the Texans a couple of seasons ago. That's right. Uh, towards the end of the 2021 season, and he looked bad. He didn't play well in that game. I feel bad for Trey Lance. He's he's had a lot of bad luck, whether it's COVID-19 keeping him from playing at North Dakota State, or it's just you know getting injured and what happened last season that's gotten in the way of him actually getting game reps. I think he's still an unknown, but in that game against the Texans, he showed a lot of athleticism. He also showed a lot of inaccuracy. So 
Lance is not someone that I'm interested in. I know that there have been some that have said, well, hey, but Bobby Slowick, who used to be with San Francisco with D'Amico Ryans, he's their offensive coordinator. At the very least, Lance might know the system. If you're making a trade for Trey Lance, though, I mean, I don't think you want to offer anything more than a third-round pick or something like that. And I doubt that the 49ers, who traded three first-round picks to get the guy, and who have questions about Brock Purdy going into next year with the surgery he had in the offseason, I, I think they're going to want more because of how much they gave up to get him. So I, I think Lance is going to be too expensive, and I'm totally fine with that. Paul, tell everyone how they can listen to all your great coverage of everything that's dealing in the Houston, Texas market, and again, follow you as well. We got a podcast, the Paul Galad Show podcast available wherever you get your podcast if you want to hear more i'll be honest most of my draft talk the last couple of weeks has been me being absolutely miserable about how the last couple of weeks before the draft are just terrible there's so much speculation and no one really knows what's going on i just want the damn thing to start but i'm on twitter at galant says and you can catch me on uh, youtube as well youtube.com slash paul galant Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the final drive, and we look forward to catching back up with you once the deal is done with the 2023 NFL Draft. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Paul Gallant joining us here on the final drive, and we'll be right back here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. You can always hit us up in the app or give us a call, 251-694-1055. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. There are some people, the Lakers are making that run, they get it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what, what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my four or five. Um, he shouldn't have said that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um... I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. Brooks, Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies says he pokes bears. And I don't know of a bigger bear to poke than who many people consider the GOAT. The all-time goat in the NBA, LeBron James. You said you don't respect him until he drops 40. <laughs> well, just I, might do that next game now. You know, I, I don't think LeBron has to take 25 shots to get 40 points. But at the same time, the, the biggest dose of a tranquilizer that he can give Dylan Brooks is, and the way to shut him up is to just go ahead and win the series and, and send them packing. But... To say LeBron James, I don't care, he's old. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a pretty, pretty interesting comment that he decided to make. And, you know, bulletin board material, when you give it to people, you better be careful. Uh, I, I, you know, you can't see it. 
but he's wearing sunglasses and a, and a big DB chain in the video. This league is literally the WWE. It, it's about as close, as, like, w with it being real competitive sports, it's the closest thing you can get to the WWE. It's... Uh, it's almost like Adam Silver went in Dylan Brooks's ear and said, "Disrespect LeBron James. It'll be good for it'll be good for Game Three ratings." I mean, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't care. He's old. Like you, we're talking about LeBron James. You know, I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan, but you, you don't have to be. You don't but, have but, to be. But, to but, know I mean, you're an idiot to say that. He's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, and to think that he's still not capable at almost the age of 40 to still score. 40 points on you, you're nuts. Now, I, for the record, the question that was asked by the media member, whoever it was, I did think was a little bit ridiculous in saying, like, well, don't you think you shouldn't, like, uh, talk trash to LeBron because he's LeBron? Like, no. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're talking about in-game, between the lines, say whatever you want. I don't care who it is. Uh, you know, you got to have that mentality to, to be an athlete at that level. But <laughs> if we're talking about after the game, there's no need to say to the press, I don't respect someone. You don't respect LeBron James? My really? man said, I don't respect no one. Until they come and give me 40. He's going to come give you 40 now. Like, what, why, why are you saying that? Whether it's in game three, game four, game five, when LeBron hits that epic number of 40. He's going to come give Dylan Brooks 40. Dylan Brooks, is, it, what, what, he's going to just eat crow in that situation? What, what is he, who's going to be the brave media member if LeBron scores 40 in game, what if LeBron scores 50 in game three? Who is the? Is there going to be a brave media member in the Grizzlies locker room to say, hey, uh, so LeBron gave you, gave you 50 tonight, do, do you respect him now? Well, what happens when LeBron scores 39? Is Brooks's decision on me that you know you only scored thirty nine? He doesn't respect him then. Yeah, you 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 still don't respect my man's magic number was forty. What if LeBron scores thirty nine? The Lakers win by thirty, take a two one series lead, and he says, "No, no, he didn't get forty. I don't respect him." I, I, I think that LeBron is gonna laugh at him and, and say, "Brother, get get on my billion dollar payroll, step up to my level, and you'll be all right." One of the users in the app, the NBA is soft. Jordan is better, is a better player than LeBron, and it's not even close. I agree with that. I, it's, it's just, the, it's very manufactured drama. I'm, it's, it's just funny to laugh at at this point. Dylan Brooks saying he doesn't respect LeBron because he's old. I hope LeBron, someone who's not a LeBron fan, I hope LeBron gives him 60 next game. Be careful what you ask for because when LeBron does go for a double nickel or scores that 50 piece on him. We'll see how much respect he gets then or whether he gets swept out of the playoffs. We'll see what kind of respect he gets then. Coming up next here, the Tide and Tiger Report. Luke Robinson and Daryl Daprich joining us respectively to talk Tide and Tiger. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. This is the Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker and Dr. Chris Walton of Premier Medical Eye Group. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app, here are Corey and Michael. 
Welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Michael Bronner joining you this evening. And, of course, if we're going to talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide and knowing that they have their big-time spring game coming up at Bryant-Denny Stadium this Saturday, always want to call on my main man Luke Robinson from Locked On Bama. Luke! Good evening, and how's everything going, my brother? Doing great. How's it going, guys? Man, I'm absolutely blessed by the best, Luke. And when you start looking at the Alabama Crimson Tide rolling into Bryant-Denny Stadium this Saturday, of course, the last couple of Saturdays are the ones that really count to Nick Saban. This one will probably be a little bit vanilla and more so for the fans. But this week... On Hey Coach, Alabama center Seth McLaughlin said, run the damn ball, had that cap on, and will we be seeing a lot of that in the spring game or will we be seeing Miro along with his counterpart who's competing with him throwing the ball a lot? Well, I, honestly, the, the eight days, while we look forward to them every single year, it feels like they trick us every year, right? I mean, there's <laughs> usually not a ton of excitement, maybe one trick play or something like that, but never anything that's uh, too far uh, from the norm. And I suspect it'll be uh, pretty blasé for the most part. Um, I suspect we will see some throwing it around because, frankly, this is a legit 50-50 quarterback battle to me right now. Um, for uh, the longest time, ever since Bryce Young decided to declare, I thought it was going to be Ty Simpson's job. I, I really did. It was a gut feeling. It had nothing to do with not liking Jalen Milrow. I just really liked Ty Simpson's high school tape, and um, I just liked the fact he, you know, his dad's a coach. I, I just, there are a lot of things I liked. And also, it, it, this may be unfair, but it was more also about the fact that I've seen Jalen Milrow play and I've seen his weaknesses. And, you know, he's got some things to work on in terms of ball protection and in terms of being able to put the ball on the money, his accuracy isn't the best. Um, he, he certainly can run like a gazelle. There's no doubt about that. And uh, when he does throw a pretty pass, like he did in that viral video to Ja'Cory Brooks in practice earlier this year, um, it, it will really wow you, there's no doubt. But the Texas A&M game where I think he was responsible for three turnovers and uh, the Arkansas game where everybody remembers the long run he had, but people forget, I mean, he he really wasn't moving the ball all too terribly well before that. So uh, those things made me think, okay, I'm going to take a venture into the unknown and go with Ty Simpson. Well, the way practice has gone, it sure seems like, uh, I don't know if his Simpson hasn't, uh, progressed to the rate I wanted him to, or if Jalen Milrow has gotten a little better, uh, it does feel like the, the battle has come to being 50-50. And then, of course, you add in the, the the gasoline to the fire today with the rumor that comes out that Alabama may be looking in the portal for uh, a Miami quarterback who's not even in the portal yet. And frankly, all that is is a rumor, but it's still out there, and it just sort of adds – fuel to the fire of the fan base right now in terms of what's going on with the quarterback battle yeah luke that was the first thing i wanted to ask you about uh not from an informational perspective in terms of I, not asking you if you've heard anything but 
just what do you what do you believe on that with the Tyler Van Dyke thing? Is there is it purely speculation? Is there anything to it? And does it show that maybe both of these quarterbacks aren't where Nick Saban wants them to be? I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody had kicked the tires in some regard, or if maybe maybe perhaps uh, Tyler Van Dyke uh, let it be known so that maybe Manny would up their NIL offers. I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be a gazillion things. Um, I do believe that if the right quarterback were in the portal. Alabama would be foolish not to look. I mean, if it, if Drake May or Caleb Williams today said, you know, I've done all I can do at North Carolina or USC respectively, and they decided to get in the transfer portal, and Alabama didn't give one of those guys a call, I'd be upset about it. Because I think in today's age of college football, it's not about trying to groom somebody so that they're ready to take over in a few years and, and you know, you get them in your system, quote-unquote. It's you better put the best talent on the field at all times if you're going to have a legitimate shot to win a national championship. and But if Tyler Van Dyke, though, I think he's a very good quarterback. I do. I think he can ultimately be a pro quarterback. Um, I'm Me personally, I, I would ride or die with the two guys I have uh, versus going that direction. Nick Saban may think differently. Um, I'd be willing to bet, though, that and, – and, again, this is me speaking out of school. I don't, I'm not trying to, but I'd be willing to bet that Nick Saban is probably pretty furious with the turn of events because if the if the rumors are true, he's furious because it's out because it's not finalized. If the rumors are untrue, he's furious because he's certainly going to have to deal with these two quarterbacks that, or four quarterbacks really that are already on the roster and explain to them, guys, this has no validity at all, and I'm sorry y'all had to deal with this today. So it, yeah, it it has not been. Uh, a good day for for whoever put this out there or to be Nick Saban's assistant because I'm sure you got a couple of things thrown at you today <laughs> when he heard about this. Without question, Luke Robinson joining us this <laughs> afternoon for the Tide and Tiger Report. Of course, Luke Robinson locked on Bama each and every day is how you can listen to all his great Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide content. And Luke, of course, the NFL draft a week from today how historical would it be in regards to Nick Saban adding another feather to the cap to where if for some reason Alabama has Bryce Young go one, Will Anderson Jr. go two, or it's not too shabby in regards to having so many four- and five-star recruits on campus this weekend for the A-Day game to turn around and come away with possibly one and three in the NFL draft. Yeah, and I think that in the end, it, it, it will be Bryce Young going one, and, and I think ultimately it'll be Will Anderson going three because I, I think Houston, while some people think they may try to um, continue to work with Davis Mills, I, I just don't see that happening. I think that uh, there's too much smoke around all the other guys and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Man, I was listening to somebody an NFL expert today talk about Anthony Richardson and they, they were just waxing poetic. And I'm one of those that look, I appreciate the um, potential he has. I mean, he is a freakish athlete, but again, so is look at Jalen Milrow. I mean, Jalen Milrow is an absolute freak of, of a human being and, and he's so athletic and he's so fast. He's so strong. 
sort of like Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson doing all these backflips and 41-inch vertical, all that stuff's amazing. But I've also watched him play at Florida, and I didn't think he was a great quarterback. Now, can somebody coach him up? I mean, I guess certainly it's possible. But, um, you know, people love to compare him to Jalen Hurts. Well, I'd be willing to bet. I don't know much about Anthony Richardson other than what I've seen watching Florida play or what I've heard through the NFL draft. But I can tell you this, I don't know a harder worker than Jalen Hurts, and I'm talking about in, in any sport or any line of work. So if unless Anthony Richardson has that work ethic, I don't know that he's going to be able to have that kind of turnaround. Um, but going back to your question, I, I think somebody's going to take a quarterback, whether it be Houston or if Houston's going to trade out of that pick and, and get some value back so that they can drop back in the draft a little bit and still find a good – I mean, they may be able to find somebody like a Jalen Carter who may still be available if the right trade is made. And um, so, yeah, I think a quarterback will probably go two as well and then Will Anderson go three. But as you said, I mean, first of all, Alabama hadn't ever had a first pick of the draft in the NFL draft. Now, I think they had a first pick back when it was uh, – not the NFL as we know it. Right. Um, but but uh, in the common era – Alabama hadn't had a first pick of the draft. And then to have a first and the third, I mean, that's that's pretty doggone incredible. And then when you consider uh, Brian Branch, who almost certainly going the first round, and Jameer Gibbs at least has a shot to go in the first round. A lot of people think he's the second best back, clearly, to B. John Robinson. And then there's a huge drop-off from uh, Jameer Gibbs. So I think Alabama could have four guys go in the first round. Let's talk about the recruits that'll be on campus. You know, you're four and five stars, of course, but to have an opportunity to to make multiple visits to the capstone. I mean, one guy locally here, Ryan Williams out of Sarah Land High School. We know Auburn has been courting him hot and heavy. Of course, Sterling Dixon Jr., another one from Mobile Christian. But having great weather, and having the ability to get these guys four- and five-star on campus. Let's talk about some of the names that you know are big-time watches for the fans when they say in the stands that's who is the next big thing at the University of Alabama. Well, I don't have the entire list in front of me, but I'm I'm pretty sure DeMarcus Riddick is is scheduled to be there. I mean, he's from Chilton County, incredible linebacker, uh, committed to Georgia. Alabama didn't offer him until pretty late because Alabama is pretty notorious uh, for not offering you uh, unless you come to their camp. I mean, Nick Saban wants to see you in person, wants to see you at camp. And, um, well, DeMarcus Riddick, uh, eventually just uh, you know you, you just have to offer him I mean, you realize how good he is and so they, they certainly will make exceptions and Riddick is, is a fantastic player um, Kirby Smart very famously came to my hometown of Alexander City to watch him play basketball for Chilton County against Benjamin Russell uh, and that, that had the whole town a buzz of course he is committed to Georgia right now and if you're committed somewhere then I mean you know you got to take that at face value but Auburn and Alabama are certainly trying to flip him uh, feverishly. I, I suspect he will ultimately stay in state. I would lean to Alabama. Uh, but, again, that's just because Alabama has, ten, has, has tended to win these types of, uh, of recruiting battles in the past. Um, I think Perry Thompson is going to be there as well. Uh, this is a guy that Alabama is committed to Alabama. Alabama desperately wants to hold on to him. He's a fantastic receiver down there in Foley. Um 
I know Auburn is pushing for him, but I, I certainly think that Alabama has has made some good inroads in the Mobile area. I mean, it, it looks like it, right? I mean, with Sterling Dixon and Ryan Williams, as you said. I mean, it's going to be a, a monster weekend. Uh, Andrew Bone is doing a great job on on, on three, keeping a list of uh, the, the guys that are coming in. There's going to be a five-star cornerback uh, by the last name of Black. His first name escapes me right now, coming in from – Texas that I know Alabama wants to make a big impression on. I'm not sure if Julian Sayan's going to be in. Yes, I, he I, is. I need to. Because, he is. Okay, that's great. That's great because uh, Julian Sayan, of course, committed to Alabama from California, five-star kid. Um, you know, that's one thing, going back to the quarterback battle for a second, Jimmy and I talked about it on Locked on Bama today that, you know, if, let, let's just, let's play a lot of what-ifs here. If Tyler Van go in the portal for Miami. And if Alabama thought, you know, because there is a relationship there between Tommy Reese and and, Tom, and uh, Van Dyke, if Tommy Reese like, look, I think this guy is the guy. You know, I think we can win a championship with this guy. And Alabama gets him. And let's just say one or both of the quarterbacks battling for the starting spot right now were to transfer. I don't think all would be lost. I mean, you've got Julian Sayan coming in, who just about everybody now has a five-star uh rating on ESPN moved him up to I think number eight in the country um I know on three has him in the top 20 so I mean Alabama's going to be fine whichever way they go here and uh Julian saying it seems like a really special kid another California product coming to Alabama uh those have worked out pretty well here the last few years so um that would be fantastic but look it's just going to be an, another loaded day and and every year Corey that um I see these Alabama classes, state of Alabama classes, the HSA. Um, I think, gosh, you know, this is going to be the year. Now, last year was special. I mean, this signing class of, of 23 was really special. I mean, Alabama had, what, five five stars in this class? I mean, that's ridiculous. But this next year is really good, too. And then the year after that, when you talk about Ron Williams, uh, Ron Williams and uh, Anquan Fagans and um, – Zion Grady from Troy. I mean, those are all five stars. Those three guys I just mentioned were just in the put in the uh, top eight of the country for 2025. So the state of Alabama just keeps cranking out talent, and um, it, it bodes well for, I guess, Nick Saban's successor, right, and for Hugh Freeze at Auburn that the state is doing so well and, and putting out a lot of really not just solid players anymore. I mean, the, the state used to put out really solid players, I thought. Now they're putting out superstars. And um, so I think it's going to be a monster weekend, and you're right. It's going to be a Chamber of Commerce day. And when you juxtapose that uh, against, you know, the day that was at Auburn, I mean, it was uh, like gale force winds and a horrible <laughs> rainstorm, and there were 15 people there. I mean, you, if you're Nick Saban, you got to be laughing a little bit about that, right? I mean, that's that's a positive because I always joke that the, when the Iron Bowl is at, at Auburn, it feels like the you know the there's not a cloud in the sky, everything's beautiful, the sun sets just right, everything's great. And when the Iron Bowl's in Tuscaloosa, you know, it's either sleeting or it's bitter cold or it's overcast. I mean, it, it never seems like it's a real pretty Chamber of Commerce day. And it's always a big visit day, uh, official visit day. So I'm glad that this particular year for A-Day is going to be an absolute Chamber of Commerce uh, day on, on in Bryant-Denny. Talking to Luke Robinson, host Locked On Bama. Luke, let's stay with the what-ifs for just a second here. Let's say what if 
uh, th- these two quarterbacks, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, are behind of where Nick Saban wants them to be. And Tyler Van Dyke isn't an option. Is it possible that Eli Holstein can can still work his way into the ring in terms of being the starting quarterback week one in the fall? I'm going to do you one better. I think it, I don't know if it's Eli Holstein that's going to do it. I think it may be Dylan Lawrence. Wow. I mean, that's who I'm hearing a little more more about. Interesting. Lonergan um, is was I think vastly underrated as a recruit because a lot of people just see, saw him as more of a baseball player that's really good at football too. And I think he's incredibly good at, at quarterback. He's doing really well. Doesn't it's not doesn't mean Eli Holstein's not playing well. Um, that's the thing that's been sort of funny with this whole quarterback battle is it's really turned into this, it's it's created some animosity among the fan base because, you know, on our podcast, we are very quick to, Jimmy and I both have believed all year long, Ty Simpson be the guy. But we've always put the caveat that, but we can, number one, we like Jalen Milrow. It's it's not like we don't like Milrow. We think his game could be good. And if he progresses, yeah, I mean, he could be the guy. And that's great. If Nick Saban thinks he's the guy, we're behind him. But when you all people hear is we think Ty Simpson will be the guy, it's a gut feeling, and they take it as, oh, you like Ty Simpson, you don't like Jalen Milrow. Same thing with people who like Jalen Milrow and like Ty Simpson, but just think Jalen Milrow will be the starter. They say, oh, you you just don't like Ty Simpson. Well, the same thing's going to be with Eli Holstein and and Lonergan. I'm, I'm I'm saying that all I think all these guys are doing pretty well, but the standard at Alabama is just a little different. And so if Nick Saban's looking around and going, you know, I'm not sure that either one of these guys can can win a national championship, and we have the team to do it. Alabama's got the team to do it this year for sure, and the schedule to do it. So it's it's really important to have somebody that you trust back there swinging the ball around. But back to your original question, I, I think the, the pecking order right now, if, if I had to lay them out, I would put Jalen Milrow slash Ty Simpson, then Lonergan, then Eli Holstein. Luke Robinson, Locked On Bama, joining us this evening here on WNSP 105.5. And again, Jalen Hurts was shown the bag by the Philadelphia Eagles. He grabbed it, ran with it, and his agent, Nicole Lynn, did an outstanding job of taking a second-round draft pick to the Brinks truck. And with that being said, you mentioned earlier about how hard Jalen Hurts worked when he was at Alabama, but how humble he was. Do you see anyone else on Alabama's roster using Jalen Hurts's story, not necessarily from a quarterback situation, but the, the instantaneous need and want for success and coming in as a highly recruited player to be told to look at Jalen Hurts and the way he secured that bag as to how to handle things so gracefully throughout not only your two-year or your career at Alabama and then your one year at Oklahoma in regards to not being mad when you do transfer to another school for those particular reasons that Jalen Hurts had. You know, Jalen Hurts is not a not just a story for your football players. I think he's a story for you should tell your kids at bedtime. I mean, I, I just I love the guy. He's always going to be an Alabama guy to me. I know he went to Oklahoma. I know he finished up there, but he did get a degree from Alabama. 
won a national championship at Alabama, <clears throat> went to two other national championship games at Alabama, had one of the most iconic moments in Alabama history with the uh, SEC championship win in 2018. Uh, he, he's just a role model for everybody. I know Charles Barkley a long time ago told us, don't make athletes role models. And you know what? I think most of the time that's, that's good advice. Jalen Hurts is the exception. You look at not only um, that he did everything right, I mean, and, and in, in really at the face of adversity, but then he does things like he has the forethought to say, all right, I'm going to surround myself with very smart, very powerful, very influential women. That's going to be my circle, uh, my business circle. And you look at the women who handle his PR and his, his agent, uh, his marketing, his finances, all this stuff, they're all just really smart women. And it's just a, it's a brilliant move. And I don't even think he looks at it like a move necessarily. Like, yeah, I want to do this to increase my brand among women. I think he looks at it like, I want to give these women a chance. And um, I, I believe in them. I mean, he's not doing it for charity. He's not doing it for sympathy. He's doing it because he believes in them. And um, that's just the kind of dude he is. He's just, uh, he's special, man. And when you come to, I mean, I hope that uh, he's the kind of guy that will come back to Alabama and give one of those very famous talks in the fall like Kobe Bryant has done in the past. Uh, people like that, I want him to come back and give one of those talks. And, you know, now he can afford his own jet to fly down. No question about that. Luke Robinson, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide? Just go check us out anywhere you get your podcast or on YouTube at Locked on Bama. We'd love to have you subscribe and and watch us for a little while. We think you'll like it. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. We've enjoyed doing it for these few years. And we appreciate the Locked on family for giving us the opportunity. Appreciate you guys for giving us this platform. Luke, look forward to talking to you really soon. Be safe, my friend. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Luke Robinson from Locked on Bama joining us this afternoon for the Tide and Tiger Report. Daryl Daprich coming up next here on the Tide and Tiger Report to chime in and to dig deep into the Auburn Tigers family. Daryl Daprich up next here on the Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. And on the Tide and Tiger Report, we're going to be locked on Auburn here in this segment. Daryl Daprich is joining us this evening. Daryl, good evening, and how are you doing, my friend? Good evening, guys. Great to talk to you. It's been a little while. I always love uh, being on with you guys. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. And when you start talking, of course, a week from today, we're looking at the NFL draft, and you, you've seen Kirby Smart set those records with 15 a year ago, and then, of course, Nick Saban, prior to that, LSU in 2020 had 14 players. But the Auburn Tigers, if they're going to have a first-round draft pick, it's probably going to be Derek Hall. And after Derek Hall, where are you going to go to the rank of Tank Bigsby? And what is it going to take for Auburn 
to go ahead and find those first-round draft picks, and are they already on Auburn's roster currently? I don't know if maybe there's a, a cornerback. I know that someone like Kyan Lee that's been projected to flip from Ohio State. Now he's only a freshman, but people have talked about how he has first-round potential. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I look up and down that roster, and I feel like you have to have a couple of first-rounders and some guy, you know, four or five guys come off your team in the draft to compete for championships. I think it equates. And, you know, ironically, guys, it usually starts at the recruiting level. You could usually see and track the progression of kids getting, you know, out of high school being four stars and five stars and then getting on rosters. But, you know, that's not been the case with Auburn. Gus Malzahn had really, really highly recruiting, highly rated recruiting classes. It was a development problem. You know, there was an occasional Greg Robinson and guys like that that got drafted in the first round. But for the most part, he could get guys that were highly rated recruits, top 10 recruiting classes. But when they'd get to Auburn, they didn't develop. And, of course, from a quarterback standpoint, we know that. Receivers didn't develop to get to be taken. I mean, a lot of guys like Darius Slayton improved once they got to the NFL ranks. So it's just interesting. I think that Hugh Freeze and his staff, it, it, they've got a ways to go on that, but I think that's the template and the blueprint that they're looking for is get these highly rated recruits in the fold on your roster, develop, and then you'll start seeing some first-rounders go off the board. It's not rocket science. The last time Auburn's had anything that was a semblance of that was Jason Campbell, Ronnie Brown, Cadillac Williams, and Carlos Rogers all went in the first round. And, oh, by the way, what a coincidence. That team went undefeated. So I think the formula is pretty simple. I agree with you. Derek Hall, uh, Tank Bigsby are probably the only two guys that, you know, I could think of right now that are getting their names called on the first day, and then or not the first day, but through the first three or four rounds. And then after that, it could be a lot of, uh, you know, free agency as far as players signing out of Auburn. One of the interesting topics that came out of Auburn this week was T.J. Finley's comments about being a slap in the face. The fact that Auburn had other quarterbacks that played ahead of him, but what did T.J. Finley not have the keys to the kingdom coming from LSU and having an opportunity to take Auburn and it'd be all his to where he could have all the guts and the glory for the Auburn Tigers? He did. He had an opportunity, I think, last year being named the starter. Um, now, I will say this. It's no secret. It was one of the most watched and listened to Locked on Auburn podcasts of all time. D. Finley, T.J. Finley's dad, came on the show with Zach Blackerby and did something that you do not hear or see in this day and age. He literally just let it all air out about the coaching staff and missed opportunities and his camp and his family feels like T.J. Finley was looking over his shoulder. That every time, you know, he'd go on a long drive and lead him to a touchdown, and then they'd insert Robbie Ashford for a change of pace. Or T.J. Finley would throw one interception, and he would get pulled. They felt like he was always looking over his shoulder. To a certain extent, I get that. But T.J. Finley was given opportunities. He was given opportunities to separate himself at LSU, and he didn't. Max Johnson came in and beat him out, and then I'm trying to think of the other freshman, the right-hander that came in and is no longer there, but beat him out as well. So he moves on to Auburn. I never thought he was going to beat Bo Nix out, 
Um, I never thought Bo Nix was going to leave after. So I, it was a, it was a curious move to me as to why T.J. Finley would transfer to Auburn in the first place because I thought he was going to be sitting two, maybe three years behind Bo Nix. I, I get I get the whole narrative that you know he was looking over his shoulder. Harson and his staff did mismanage him to a certain extent by pulling him and and, and you know right when he get his rhythm they take him out of the game. But he's had spring to get that corrected, and we've heard reports that you know he's been less than stellar in spring as far as things that you would want your quarterback to do as a leader on and off the field. And so you know to call that a slap in the face. Look, as a head coach, you have one responsibility, and that's to put the best players on the field to win games. You have to do it. You owe it to the rest of the team. If you freeze and Phil Montgomery look around that quarterback room, like you freeze said in his press conference after a day, and said, you know, we feel like we got some guys that we can win with, but if we feel like someone better is going to come along, uh, we're going to look. And I just don't get the sense then that they feel like the dude is in the room, and certainly not in a T.J. Finley-type scenario. Yeah, I mean, to call it a slap in the face when you'd probably agree with me if Bo Nix had been healthy for the first year Brian Harson Iron Bowl, Auburn probably wins that Iron Bowl. And, yeah, they bring in Robbie Asher and Zach Calzada, but why shouldn't they bring in competition? You lost the biggest game of the year, not only because, because Finley was okay, but he didn't get it done. No, he didn't get it done. And ironically, I feel strongly that not even Bo Nix, but if Robbie Ashford would have been the quarterback in 2021, the offense would have moved a little bit better. The offense was pathetic. At least you would have had a threat of a quarterback being able to do it with his legs. Think about fourth and one or third and one with Robbie Ashford at quarterback in that game instead of T.J. Finley when it took forever for him to spin around and hand the ball to Tank Bigsby five yards in the backfield and he gets tackled. If Robbie Ashford's under center, you've got that 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 option of is Robbie keeping it or is Robbie handing it to Tank Bigsby? I, I would have felt better with Robbie Ashford being under center in that game. So T.J. Finley's had every opportunity. You know, it, it's that old adage of didn't get a shot, didn't get my fair shake. He has. He got it under a different coaching staff who probably didn't put him in the best position to be successful, I get that, but did not show enough, did not show enough to come in as the starter. I am frankly shocked, shocked that he is still on Auburn's roster. I, I don't. I was shocked that he came before the spring. Now, part of that has to do with him having to graduate. I get it. I think he still has to graduate in May, and maybe that's – but, I mean, the portal closes in a week, you know, less than a week or Monday, and so he's got to make a decision pretty quick. I'm shocked. I, I, I cannot believe he's still not in the portal. Those players that are in the portal, Big Emba, the six mm-hmm. foot six, three hundred pound defensive lineman who was the junior college number one overall prospect, has decided to go ahead and enter the portal. And there's four or five other Auburn Tigers who have gone ahead and exited. And you know, the, the portal is part of the process now in college football but anytime you have one of the number one ranked defensive players in the country according to multiple sources coming out of junior college you would think you would try to find a way or that that would be a true home for him 
Yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't give it at least one more year. I get it. It's this instant gratification microwave society we're in. Embuff did not play. I think it's what he felt like was enough snaps and reps last year. Um, but I felt like he was going to get that opportunity this year. But guess what? He didn't show out in the spring. And when the A-Day game came around and they had a, 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 the starting lineup in the defensive line, instead of Jason Jones and Justin Rogers, the big transfer from Kentucky that was a stud, switching in and out at nose, they put Justin Rogers in Imba's spot next to Jason Jones. And I think that was, that was very telling. It was very telling to Jeffrey Imba. He looked at it as like he was going to be a second uh, number two on the depth chart again and didn't want to be. Wanted to be, you know, number one, getting a lot of reps. And I get that. I'm just surprised in the SEC, guys, you are one play away from being a starter. And Auburn rotates its defensive linemen. Imba, just because he didn't start, may have gotten just as many snaps as Rodgers, especially in SEC games where you're rotating bodies in and out when it's hot in September. He would have got a ton of playing time. It was an ego thing and a pride thing, in my opinion. He said that in his Instagram about, you know, he was discounted in high school. He was discounted at junior college. He wanted to be the dude on the defensive line and start. And I think he perceived the A-Day uh, coming off the bench in A-Day as a slight and decided that now he had been one of those guys that had jumped in the portal and jumped out. And there were reports that he was going to get in in the fall session and all that. And so it really didn't surprise anybody at Auburn that he got in because word was that he was going to be getting in before spring even started. He didn't. But you hate to see a big body potential stud like that on the defensive line go. But, again, you know, it's this day and age. We want it, and we want it now. And so I don't think he was too satisfied uh, coming in as number two on the depth chart. Well, if he was number two on the depth chart, something that Bruce Pearl has had to worry about as well is not necessarily the transfer portal, but his current roster dipping their toes into the water to test uh -huh. their draft eligibility. He now has three players that have done that in senior forward Jalen Williams and Janai Broom being the latest Auburn Tigers for Coach Bruce Pearl to say, hey, look, I want to get some feedback as to whether I need to come back to Auburn or seek a transfer elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very common in college basketball now that that players do that. It's, it's very, very much uh, a tool that they use in their tool belt to see where they will go. Not only does it help them determine whether they need to jump right now, it helps them as to what things they need to work on. They get fair and honest evaluations from NBA scouts that say, okay, right now you wouldn't be drafted. You'd be an undrafted free agent. But if you do X, Y, Z and you do these things, you can get into the second round or the first round. Everybody, you know, the Sharif Cooper story should be the cautionary tale. Nobody, nobody thought he was getting out of the first round. He leaves, he gets some advice, he jumps, and he has gone on record to talk to other people about how disappointed he was. He shouldn't have left, that he could have played on that team last year with Kessler and Jabari Smith because he didn't want to leave, he didn't want to come out to be a second-round pick, and that's what he ended up being with the Hawks originally. So, they can get these grades and these honest evaluations. Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, I fully expect to be back on the Auburn roster very quickly after they get these evaluations. But a guy like Broom, 
they may say, look, you can get yourself into the second round if you work on this. Or Jalen Williams, you've got to shoot the basketball more. We saw stretches where you were unstoppable and then you quit shooting. You quit going to the rim. You need to do those things if you want to play at the next level. That's the kind of feedback they'll get. Now, if Williams or Broom, in my opinion, gets an NBA grade or ranking where either one of them gets drafted even in the second round, I think they have to jump. I just don't see that happening. I don't think either one of them right now are are at least even second-round material. We've talked a lot about whether or not Auburn's quarterback is currently on the roster. It's kind of starting to look day by day like it might not be. Obviously, we talked a lot about Grayson McCall of Coastal. At Georgia spring game, Carson Beck really uh, is starting to establish himself as the starter there. Is Brock Vandegriff, who was a former elite recruit for the Bulldogs, a possibility if he were to possibly enter the portal? I've heard his name for like a year. I mean, literally almost two. And I guess the problem is Vandergriff would have to come and get a waiver. And and Daryl Sankey made it very, very clear. uh, Greg Sankey, I'm sorry. Greg Sankey made it very clear that those aren't going to be given out like candy like they were in the past. So when you're transferring from an SEC school to another SEC school, does Vandergriff want to take the chance and roll the dice where he has to sit out a year? Uh, You know, you, you would think he's leaving Georgia if he was to get in the portal to become a starter. If you go to an SEC school somewhere like Auburn, I don't know if you could. I, I think a scenario, Grayson McCall is definitely an option. I, I look at this kid, and I don't know why he's not getting more run or more play, but that just entered the portal from Cincinnati today, Ben Bryant. Was it was at Cincinnati, then went to Eastern Michigan, and went back to Cincinnati. Has some really nice stats. I mean, quarterback ranking of 145, threw for 21 touchdowns, seven kicks, 2,700 yards. Those are the kind of numbers that makes Auburn's quarterback room instantly better. So I don't know. I don't know if you Freeze is saying, look, I've heard that they might have their guy identified. Whether or not this guy gets in the portal, they can't talk to him. They don't want to tamper. But if he does get in the portal, he's somebody that they may want to get. And that's why they're passing on guys like Chance Nolan and, you know, maybe a Ben Bryant or somebody else that was in the fall, um, the portal coming out in December and January. Keep in mind, Grayson McCall was in the portal, was going to make a visit to Auburn in December until the whole sports management degree thing blew up. But the same scenario happened at Florida with Grayson McCall. He was interested in Florida. They didn't offer his major. So we don't know if he graduated or not. We're hearing all kind of rumors that he's done the coursework to graduate, that he's in line to graduate. We'll see in two weeks. But, again, everyone is ready to get this quarterback situation resolved. But let's remember – you just got to get in the portal by Monday. You can sit tight for a month, a month and a half, because you don't have to worry about getting on campus till June. It's not like what happened last semester when you want to be enrolled in January. You have the opportunity and the luxury to take your time when you're a spring portal transfer guy. As long as you get in by Monday, you can sit tight for a month or a month and a half before we may know anything because time is on your side as far as practice. Daryl Daprich joining us here on the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Daryl, how can people tune in and listen to your fantastic Auburn Tiger coverage? Well, we've got a podcast dropping tomorrow morning where Zach and I talk about this very thing, about transfer portal. It should Auburn fans be panicking about the roster where you get any of your podcasts, Spotify and Apple, just go to Locked on Auburn. You can also go to the YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe and like that as well. 
Um, again, we're dropping one tomorrow on the uh, overreaction to the the portal at this time, and so uh, you can you can catch us. Like I said, where you get any of your podcasts and also on YouTube. It's a great opportunity to like and subscribe. Thank you so much, Daryl, for joining us here on the Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP 105.5. We'll put the finishing touches on a Thursday edition of the Tide and Tiger Report. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide. And God bless. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank our guests for the Tide and Tiger Report, Luke Robinson and Daryl Daprich. One locked on Bama, the other one locked on Auburn, and they do a phenomenal job bringing us the coverage. Also want to thank Paul Gallant for joining us, covering the Houston Texans from ESPN 97.5. And, of course, Lindsey Crosby always giving us the 411 on the baseball information. Don't forget, a week from today, the final drive will be at Walk-Ons on Airport Boulevard from 3 to 6, and we'll have our special NFL draft party to where we'll be raffling away a $1,200 Traeger grill along with a Bryce Young jersey. So you don't want to miss your opportunity to come out and fill out your top 10 order of draft picks. You get the chance to become a general manager and to say what order of draft will be next Thursday at Walk-Ons. Pigskin Pete and Brian Gennard. In the building, bringing up the prep spotlight. Coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. 